0: Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the house of God. How many want to hear that on K-Love this week? Amen. Thank you, band, for working and making new songs that speak forth to this generation. Amen. This is a new generation of what God is doing upon the earth, and God is going to do something that he's never done before. These are the end times. We're going to expect to see things we've never seen before that no generation has ever seen before. The Bible literally says in the book of Revelation that the earth will be opened up and demons will come out. So if we're going to see some crazy stuff of the devil, we better see some good stuff for Jesus. Amen? I want to see signs and wonders like never before, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on sons and daughters, amen? That's what we're supposed to be bringing to the end times. Before that judgment comes, before it gets into the book of Revelation and wickedness abounds, we are to be righteous, shining as stars in a dark night, Amen? We're so thankful that you're here today. Thank you for your extended grace on that community center. All I ask right now is the churches that have their doors closed, just give us the keys and we'll keep on doing our community stuff. Amen? So just ask him for the keys because they won't be online. I won't be on the front line. Amen? So the Lord knows. We jumped a gun on that a little bit, but that's all right. We're ready for the next one. But what I will not do, I'll just say this as the negotiator, always pray for me, is I will not feel pressure and I will not do anything that's outside of peace. Amen. We don't have to force anything. There's a lot of storefronts coming up, and if it's God, it will come back to us. If not, it's going to be better where we're at. Amen. Amen. So thank you for being patient with us, and forgive us for getting a little too excited. Today I'm going to talk about a somber message. It is going to be deep, and it's going to be emotional, but I don't want to let my emotions out so much. I want the text to speak for itself, but I want to have our hearts be open to what the Holy Spirit will do in our emotions, okay, because it is going to get real. Somebody say Daniel's Prayer. Daniel's Prayer. Thank you. Go to Daniel chapter 9 with me. Daniel chapter 9, 1 and onward. These are on the notes. Uh, The notes are always online on the app. Make sure to download or to follow on Facebook, YouTube, website, all those good places. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom... In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded. Somebody say, turn to the Lord God and plead. Thank you. He says, he turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition. Somebody say, prayer and petition. Thank you one more time. Somebody saying fasting. Somebody saying sackcloth and ashes. Amen. I will get to the prayer in just a moment, but I want us to have some history here. It's Daniel chapter 9, almost the end of the book. Daniel himself is a prophet, and he is referring to the prophet Jeremiah. What has happened? Why are they in this situation? Let me catch everyone up. Israel was founded by God as they were delivered out of Egypt. As they were delivered out of Egypt, God said, this is my nation. These are my people. Some of you know the story about Moses leading the people through the Red Sea. And who died in the Red Sea? Pharaoh and his army, right? God was good to his people, but they were disobedient, and what should have only been a few months, ended up being 40 years, and only a few of the younger generation, Joshua and Caleb, got to go into the promised land with the children of those who were disobedient. That kind of sets the scene for what Israel is going to be like. As you read the book of First and 2 Samuel, First and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles, you always see this tug of war with God and the people of Israel. God is speaking, they're disobeying. God is being merciful, they say they're going to do better, then they go back to disobedience. After a certain point, God says, what I'm going to do is hand you over to other nations because it seems like you want to be like them. But they didn't believe the prophets as they said this. They thought the prophets were lying. Jeremiah was one of those prophets that started speaking to the people of Israel going, hey, everybody listen. This is not going to go in the merry-go-round like it's been going in the book of Judges and so forth and through the beginning of the kings. this This is going to come to an end. God is going to hand us over in this temple that you all think is indestructible because God's presence dwells there, the same presence that protected you from the Egyptians. You think you're invincible? God says he's going to allow this to be destroyed. And at the time of Jeremiah, the Israelites scoffed at him. They said, no way. That's not going to happen. And so the kings got the other prophets, the people-pleasing prophets to come. And they began to tell the people, no, don't listen to Jeremiah. Jeremiah is out of his mind. God has spoken to us and told us everything is going to be all right. In my neighborhood, they've putting up some uh, Bob Marley lyrics to encourage people. Everything is going to be all right, man. That's what they want you to think. Every little thing. Is going to be all right. And Jesus is speaking to Jeremiah going, no, that's the wrong message. But they don't listen to Jeremiah. As a matter of fact, in Jeremiah's persistence, they throw him into a cistern and say, shut up. We don't want to listen to you. You're, you're the party pooper. You're bringing us all down. And eventually what happened? The armies come. And they start invading But they had a way of doing it to break down cities and nations. The Babylonians sieged the city. And what that means is if you were in a city with walls, you would have to stay there. You couldn't go out. And that means fresh produce couldn't come in. Food could not come in. You would be stuck inside that city. And it got so bad that cannibalism in the Jewish city began to happen. And at one point, a Jewish king is walking around checking on how bad it is. And he sees two mothers arguing, and he goes, what are you guys arguing about? They said, we agreed to eat each other's children on different days. And one mother has given up, I've given up, the mother says, I've given up my child to be eaten, and this mother now will not let me eat her child. That's how bad it got. And then Daniel, the teenagers, are brought into that nation that defeated them, Babylon. Daniel is writing as a captive. You don't even know, most of us here don't even know his three friends' names in Hebrew. We only know them by the slave names that they were given by their oppressors. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those are Babylonian names. And now they are there suffering because of what their parents had done. And as they are suffering, Daniel says, man, I want to be righteous I want to be holy. I don't want to make the mistakes that my generation before me made. So he goes back to the prophet. He goes back to the pastor Jeremiah's messages and goes, Jeremiah, what were you talking about? And he starts reading through and he goes, this was God. God was speaking to us through Jeremiah. And then as he's searching through the scrolls, he sees a point, and I've labeled it here, Jeremiah 29.10, where God says to Jeremiah, it's going to last 70 years. And so at this point, you can almost imagine that Daniel has to go to his friends and his fellow Israelites and go, man, I got some good news and bad news. The good news is there's an end to this. The bad news is it's going to be basically our whole lifetime, 70 years. We're going to live here under the rule of wicked kings and leaders with no respect for our religion in our homeland. Do you want to know how Daniel ended up in a lion's den? It's because the previous generations of Israelites had sinned, got cursed and punished by God. He gets dragged off and enslaved in another nation and told not to pray. And then, praise God, he does pray. And that's what ended up. Putting them into a lion's den. What had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into a fiery furnace? Because they would not bow to a statue made out to a king to be worshiped as a god. These are real people and real stories. And the Bible gives them to us for encouragement during these times. Because I've got some good news and bad news. The good news is our time of persecution will end when that trumpet sounds. Are you listening? Our time of ridicule will end when that trumpet sounds, but the bad news is we will endure some persecution and hardships right now. I want you to go to our website, please, and go to the sermons under various, the series. I am no Jeremiah. In other words, I am not writing an inspired scripture, but I want you to see the date on a message I preached about being a Daniel in this generation as he starts to pull it up here, I want you to know that this church has been prepared for such a season as this. We are not sticking our heads so far up in the clouds that we're always optimistic to the point we don't have a reality to what things are like. We're not going to be so optimistic that we cannot be real in the real world. And then we're not going to be so pessimistic that we're going to think the sky is falling, everything, something goes wrong. So we're not going to be naively optimistic, and we're not going to be downtroddenly pessimistic. Click on various sermons, please, and go all the way to the end, because these various sermon series, they started at a certain point. I want to show it to you. It's going to be page five, so scroll all the way down. If you zoom out, you'll make it easier for yourself. I wonder if America's listening now, or if even while we're going through hardships, if people are still following the advice of the false prophets. I wonder now if this has woken up the church a little bit to how quickly we could lose our freedoms. Right there, sir, look at it. Click on living lawful and lawless times. Click on that, please. What does the date say right there? Jeremiah, uh, uh, January 12th. Now go ahead and scroll down a little bit, please. We are not the first righteous people to have to live in evil days. May God strengthen our hearts to give us wisdom on how to live in lawful times. Look at Second Peter, the first scripture I started that day with, verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been what? Since you have been what? Forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawlessness and fall from your secure position. That was preached January 12th. January 12th, I would encourage some of you who want to see modern day prophecy being used, not in the sense of writing scripture, God forbid, I'm not saying that, but those of you who want to see God speaking and preparing His church at the beginning of the new year, this was a word that I gave. It wasn't, it's gonna be your year. Get some money in the offering, you're gonna get double for your trouble, send more money in. No, it was a serious word, it was a warning. And it didn't even take necessarily a prophetic gift. All it took was just the ability to be a watchman, to see in the distance what was coming. And yet I had people in the church, the moment things began to come, leave, acting as if it was something strange, that persecution was coming to us. The Bible said to us we would suffer persecution And yet they thought it strange because they could amen that message from the sideline. But when they got on the field, it was a whole different thing. And what we have to do as a church is to understand this is not a cruise ship. This is a battleship. And while while other people are dismissing what the Bible has talked about for years, we are taking it serious. When the Bible says that wickedness will abound in the last days, we take that serious. When it says you'll be hated by all all nations and handed over to death, we take that serious. This in this last past week. Boko Haram has killed Christians in Nigeria. China has cracked down even further on the Christians. In India, they have suffered. We are hearing the stories. Just go to Open Door or Voice of the Martyrs, their website. That's why I wear this bracelet to always remind me of them. But even just in the past week, it's a reminder of how much death is coming to the Christians. The Bible says false prophets will abound. The Bible says all of these things will come, diseases, plagues, famines, wars, and rumors of wars, nations rising up against nation. And yet we act surprised when these things start happening. Would you please go back to today's sermon? Daniel was in the situation he was in because his ancestors had not done what God had asked them to do. And I want to talk to most of you here that are like me, maybe 40-something and younger. And a lot of you are younger than that. But hear me today. You weren't around when prayer got taken out of school, were you? You weren't there. You weren't there when they voted on Roe v. Wade. You were not there when drugs and sex became part of the normal culture in the 60s and 70s. Most of us were not there. We awoke into a culture where that was normal. One of my first memories of getting my haircut is from a homosexual. God loves all people but hates sin. Listen to me. One of my first memories of getting a haircut was from a homosexual. He died of AIDS. But that was normal in my culture. That was normal in your culture. I grew up knowing that that was a part of the world I lived in abortion. Now, I thank God for older people who fought against these things. But listen to me. The church as a whole was sleeping during this time. And my heroes, the preachers of the gospel at that time, David Wilkerson, Leonard Ravenhill, Steve Hill, a lot of these others who had been preaching during the 60s and 70s, even lows like Lester Sumrall and others, were warning of what would happen. And now we are here, the children of that generation. And we have become so numb that we don't even know something is wrong. We count the strangeness as normal. We count the absurd as wisdom. I want to speak to just transgenderism just for a moment because a great actress who I do like, and I liked her in the movie Juno, said now she's a man. the movie Juno, talks about pro-life. It's a good message from a worldly point of view. But now she says she's a man. This is what I want to ask you. When you talk to the people who support this, do they not agree with us that there's a problem in the mind? We both agree there's a problem in the mind, do we not? What they will say is that their mind does not match their body, right? That's that's the argument. But let me ask you something. We both agree that the problem's in the mind. Now when we fix something, do we break things that are working or do we fix things that are broken? When you go to your car and you see there's a problem with the engine, do you start flattening your tires? Do you start removing the hubcaps off your car and take away parts from the car? Are you listening? You know where I'm going with this. If we both agree that the mind is the issue, why is she removing breasts that are working to nurse children? Why is she sewing up her womb, which is to be the birth canal? Why is she removing healthy ovaries? Why is she taking drugs that her body is not yearning for? Why don't we fix the mind? And then we talk about fixing the mind, and they have something in in, 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 in their mind, thinking we're talking about electroshock therapy and they want to bring us to some weird place. No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying there's real problems and there must be real solutions and we can take our time and work through the issues of the mind. What we don't want to do is play Mr. or Mrs. Potato Head. We don't want to remove well-working pieces to break them to try to fix something that it has nothing to do with. The problem is not in a breast, it's in the mind. It's not in the womb, it's in the mind. It's not in the ovary, it's in the mind. In that same week, this week that passed, what else do I see? Three reality TV stars from one show, one season, have all now committed suicide. Shocking. But to most of us, it's just another scroll through our newsfeed. This grieves my heart. How in the world do we now have children, young adults in their mid-20s committing suicide by the groves? They have more food than any generation has ever had. They have more accessibility to technology and medicine than any generation has ever had. They have more mental health experts than any generation has ever had. Dr. Phil's online forum, you know. They've got it all. (laughs) And yet they're killing themselves by the droves. What's going wrong? What has happened? Previous generations have not led them to Christ. And now the curse is upon them as well. Daniels in Babylon suffering because of what his ancestors did or didn't do before the God of heaven and earth. And now we're in this generation and we're wondering why a woman thinks she's a man trapped in a woman's body, cutting off working parts. We consider this normal. We're wondering why that, that these young adults are committing suicide. We're wondering why now on the south side is the most murderous part of the United States of America and supposedly all oh, the rioting burning down was supposed to get the pain and anger out. And yet now, today, there is more murder there than there has been in any other city in America. This is our world. And we just scroll and we scroll. And then we see about the mother who just got captured after 10 years of evading authorities who killed her twin babies. Same week. Same week! And you just scroll through what's going on. And they want to tell us to shut down the church and go online. This is not the time to go online. This is the time to be on the front lines. This is the time to stand up for Jesus Christ. And if they say, what happens if you catch COVID? I'm ready to meet Jesus and die. What are you waiting for? But I'll take my chance with something that's 0.05%. But I can tell you there's a 100% chance of fatality of death of the, in the abortion clinic. I can tell you right now the death rate in the inner city of Chicago is higher by multiples than it is for COVID. So, yes, we can be both and wise, and we can be spiritual. I don't think spiritual just means we're silly. But I am not going to fall for what is happening right now. And if we stand, we stand for Christ. Amen. And if we fall, we fall for Christ. If we we die, we die for Christ. And if my ancestors or my children here, if the only thing they can say about me is, well, Dad died of COVID, well, at least they'll be able to say, Dad didn't cheat, Dad didn't steal, Dad taught me how to be a man of God. The worst thing you say is, I die of a disease. We're all going to die anyways, friends. We're all going to die. Read Dr. John Ionis. He just put out his article on the World Health Organization, 0.05 fatality rate of those infected. This is not junk science. This is the science. And yet, going on in our world, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. We can relate to Daniel. We can relate to being in a situation that we know is not changing anytime soon. So, if you wanna know my beliefs about the end times, eschatology as we theologians call it, if you wanna know what I believe, I believe there is gonna be a final revival before that trumpet sounds and we go to meet Jesus. I believe that. But I also believe before that revival comes, things will probably get worse. I am leaning more towards it's going to be worse. That we are going to be more persecuted for our beliefs. That they're going to continue to, to try to choke us on our jobs from having a dissenting voice. Wear the flag button. Wear the rainbow flag button. Wear the BLM button. What's wrong with you? You don't want to wave the button? We don't want you here. You don't want to wear the button, wave the flag? We don't want you. And they're going to keep tacking on things to it. Now it's the LGBT flag, okay? So you gotta do that on Diversity Day. You've gotta wear that. Now it's the BLM fist, and you gotta wear that. Before you know it, you'll be wearing all the buttons for all their causes. Well, what about the pro life button? Do I get to wear that here? What about the pro family marriage button? Do I get to wear that here? Every time you see them highlight somebody, and I've talked about this before, whether it's America's Got Talent or somebody on our news, it's always they're supporting some charity from something that the Bible calls sin. When do they ever highlight on America's Got Talent the person wanting to win the money for a pro-life organization? No, they stifle these voices so that you'll think the absurd is normal over and over and over again. And so that you are made to look like the odd man out. And truly we are. We are now aliens in this culture, are we not? We are now foreigners in our own land. And it can be relatable to us because most of us, even if we had a church background as I did, most of us can relate to walking away from that church background. If you would have talked to me November 5th, 1995 at about 2 p.m. before I gave my heart to Jesus around 5 p.m., and you would have asked me the questions or these things that we're talking about, I would have answered just like the world. 18-year-old Joe, what do you think about homosexuality? I think it's great when it's two girls, and I don't care what two guys do. It's not as long as it's not with me. What do you think about abortion? An easy way out. What do you think about fighting and doing things? Might is right. Right? Come on, somebody. That's how I was. Don't get quiet on me now. How many have a testimony? But God. Somebody say, but God. Come on, November 5th at 6 p.m. at my mother's kitchen table, I got my brain washed by the Holy Spirit. God turned my frown upside down. He took me out of the clay and set me on solid ground. I was once busted and disgusted. Now I'm hooked on Jesus, and there ain't no high like the most high. Give Jesus a try. Something changed from two o'clock in the afternoon that day to six o'clock in the evening. I met Jesus. Some of you say you meet Jesus, but you look the same way you did yesterday. Do you look the same way after you meet a hurricane? Do you walk out of a fire the same way after you met that fire? I met Jesus. I'm not talking about religious Jesus. I'm not talking about pray to Saint Jesus or to his, his, his brothers and sisters, saints. I'm talking about I met the real Jesus, the one who changed his lives, the one who will save and sanctify you, set your life on fire, take away the sin. Has anybody met that Jesus today? So not only do we look back on the past of our ancestors and say, man, you definitely dropped the ball on abortion. You definitely dropped the ball on getting prayer in school. You let it get taken out. You dropped the ball on what you were watching on TV and things. You allowed all of this to go to hell in a handbasket. Not only do we look to our ancestors and say, you failed, but we failed. We have failed. We have not taken serious the things of God. I have friends in the ministry that have now changed their message. They get their messages off of Oprah Winfrey's old magazine. What is Oprah talking about? Oh, she's talking about racism. I might as well talk about that now. She's talking about this. I'm going to talk about that now. They get their hall pass. You know, remember what hall passes were, kids, when you used to go to school? And adults, when you used to go to school, hall pass gives you permission to be out in the hall when you're not supposed to be there, Right? And so the world now gives the preachers the hall passes. Preacher, let me tell you what you can talk about now. Here's your hall pass. But you know what they've turned into? They've turned into adulterers. They've turned into thieves and robbers in the pulpit, and they are abusing the sheep. And so when we let the world in, the sheep suffered. It was an attack of the enemy against the church. I would rather you walk out of here offended and know that I'm saying something from this Bible than for you to hear something that already affirms what you think is right. This is not confirmation bias hour. This is time to learn the word of God and follow Jesus. Amen? This is not time to get all of your biases affirmed. This is time to be confronted by the word of God. And if you are a racist, repent. And if you are in a same-sex relationship, repent. Amen? And you will be happier at the end of the day. It's not just for your happiness, but I can promise you this. You'll be happier at the end of the day. I would rather serve God and have the peace that passes understanding than to serve my flesh and the fleeting pleasures of this world. We all know sin has pleasure. They want to draw lines now to where the pleasure is acceptable. Well, why not have pleasurable relationships with adult to children if the children can make a decision? That's the argument of Nambla. That's the argument of pedophilia, and it's coming right down the road. But everybody now thinks it's crazy. But they used to think it was crazy to have homosexual relationships. See, it's just a little here, a little there, a little compromise. And before you know it, we're the Roman Empire. We look back on these societies, and we say, oh, never. Oh, I would never do that. Hitler in Germany, I would never turn in my neighbor. Now we have people turning in those who don't wear masks. You're the the exact one that Hitler needed. What do you think it goes from after mask? Then it goes from when we're not doing the right thing, are we? We're not saying the right thing. And the Bible says mother will turn against child. Here, government, my child is going to this church. Fix them. And North Korea says I've got ideas on how to fix them. And America, instead of taking its cues from the Bible, is taking it from dictatorships like China, like North Korea, like these places that oppress people. You might say, Pastor, well, then live and let live. That's right. As long as you don't hurt anybody, I am a person who believes in free enterprise and a free society. But my ideas, my freedom does not stop where your discomfort starts. And I do believe in the world of ideas. We will win every single time. The only way they can defeat us in China is taking away our speech. The only way they can defeat us in the Middle East is taking away our speech because anyone with half a brain cell who analyzes the supposed prophet Muhammad will realize that he himself was a pedophile, that he was a warlord, and that he's nothing like the the prophets of the Bible. But the way that they win the the thought war in Islamic states is by taking away the voice of the Christians. So here's how I believe as a God-blessed, good-hearted American is give us the same space place and we will whip your butt every single time. Let us come and read our Bible in the library reading hour instead of the transvestite and we will win the thought war. Empower us to have the media and the TV stations and we will win every single time. Bring me on tonight in the 10 o'clock news with the fair time with whatever oompa loompa you're bringing on there and we will win every single time. We are not afraid of an open dialogue and discussion. That is why all Christian societies have had universities, and they come from the Christian mind, that you learn, you learn diversity through the unifying ideas of truth. It's not that they're all equal. It's that when you have a diversified mind, you can unify things and see patterns, and we will show them the truth of Christianity. But right now, we must pray. We must pray like Daniel, because they don't want the discussion. They're not calling me up again. They called me up once, and that was it. They brought me on WTTW to debate a pastor that said, we're not coming out until they can have people in the the football stadiums. He went viral doing that, and they had me debate him. Watch it yourself. It wasn't much of a debate. He got crushed in 30 seconds, and then he started to to be wishy-washy because he knows it doesn't work that way. If he wants to close down his church, that's fine. Just give it to somebody who wants to open it. He can never come back. That's fine. But listen, I was debating that pastor, and I do pray for him and love him. And, this, and the, the host, I always forget his name. He's an older Latino fellow. He said back to me, he goes, well, sounds like you're not just basing this on the Bible. You're also basing it on science. And I'm like, glad as you're listening, sir. That's right. We don't just have the Bible. We have everything else because it comes from the Bible. You wouldn't have math without a God. Where does math come from? It doesn't come from a frog. It comes from a God creating us in his image with a mind. Frogs don't come up with math math equations. You do. You know why? You're made in the image of God. Science came out of the Christian Enlightenment movement because they believed that a God of order would create an earth and a universe of order, and it was to discover the universe, uh, discover the mind of God through the order of the universe, thinking the thoughts of God in science, thinking the thoughts of God in our, our approach to the world. So yes, we can have both, amen? But they want to put us into a category of being the dim-witted religious people, and they want to dismiss us from the public square. I can't tell you how many times I would stand in front of Wright College and preach preach the gospel, and I would say, have your professor bring me in any time. Because not only can you not answer these questions, your professor will not answer them. And as a matter of fact, the only time I really had a great discussion, or I should say a great, but it's a discussion with the professor, and wh- is when he was telling me to stay away from a student. Because as I was approaching that student and preaching to them, he could see that the student's worldview was getting rocked. The, the student was basically saying, well, all religions are the same. And I go, are all math equations, uh, answers to math equations the same? Is 2 plus 2, 5, 2 plus 2, 4, 2 plus 2, 3? Is all of that the same? These are truth statements. Jesus rose from the dead. It cannot be the same as the other religions that say he did not raise from the dead. It cannot be the same. The law of non-contradiction. Are you listening to me? And then the professor steps in. Just give him a break. Step away. He was a man, by the way. Just give him a break. Step away from him. And I'm like, he doesn't need your help, sir. Unlike what you do in that school, I don't have to force them to believe what I believe. See, they just want to brainwash them and just continue to force them to believe what they believe. See, out there, they get to have a free discussion with me. I don't have to force my beliefs on them. Are you listening? They get the same opportunity to come back at me, and yet they get the truth. We go through this in our culture and society enough. We'll win, but we have to be patient. We have to pray and not give up. Amen? Are you ready for the prayer? I want to read it, and then we'll close out in prayer today. By God's grace, let's read it without interruption. I'll read it to you. You can follow along. Here's his prayer. I pray to the Lord my God and confess, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, We spoke in, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, and all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes, and our ancestors are covered with shame. Lord, because we sinned against you, the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God, kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets, all Israel, has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You fulfilled the word spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing ever has been done like this that's been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us. For the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned. We have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger And your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Let's read verse 19 together. One, two, three. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Amen. Vinny, would you come back up here, please? He didn't make excuses for what had happened. He acknowledged that it was not only his ancestors, but it was also himself and his peers. We have sinned. We have done wrong. How many feel we need a prayer like that today for this nation and for this city? We need to be honest. I'm going to ask that we bring back up that microphone, and we will be... uh, Conscience of not spreading germs so we'll clean it in between prayer workers but before we close out today would you give the remaining minutes that we have together on communion Sunday to commune with the Lord on behalf of this city and nation in just a few moments whoever feels led because I do believe that God's house is a house of prayer for the nation so it's open to anybody three to five max, just for our time that we have, just going to ask you to come up in just a moment, and and then I'll call on you to pray, because we're going to go through different subjects, but before we get into this group prayer, I want to make sure that we have this in our heart, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And you might think at times, well, pastor, you just stand up here on your little high horse. What are you doing about it? Okay, let's go through some things that we're doing about it. Belmont and Clark preach there all the time. Why? Because we love the gay community, the lesbian, transgender community. We are not forsaking them in their time, in their time of suffering. They may not consider it evil, we do, but we will show it by our tears and our brokenness and our persistence. One of the lesbians that I met at Belmont and Clark called me up one day and she said, Pastor, my grandfather's passed away. I don't have anyone else to ask to do a funeral. I thought of you. And I thought to myself... What an honor that she knows where I stand and what I believe. But she asked me to come preach at her grandfather's funeral. And if you know anything about me, I preach the same way everywhere. I got to preach at her funeral, at the funeral for her grandfather, by God's grace. When the people protested against our businesses and, the, and came against us with Black Lives Matter, guess what? They had no idea that the West Side has been in our heart ever since we started this church. When I was looking for facilities within the first year, I didn't know much about the city, but I thought it strange when I called a realtor about a property on Cicero in Chicago, and he said, I won't meet you there. You can look through the windows. I said, why won't you meet me there? I don't go to that neighborhood. So I go there, and I'm looking through the windows, and I'm solicited by a prostitute. What she meant for evil, God turned for good. We adopted that block and haven't let go of it ever since. We love Ohio Park. We have done so much ministry there that I wouldn't want to lose my reward in trying to tell it all to you. We then had people in our community say, Pastor, you think Ohio Park needs Jesus? Guess what? Madison and Pulaski needs Jesus too. So when we got our gospel truck, we went right where they were at, selling the drugs, getting the drugs, the violence. As a matter of fact, the church's chicken there got shut down because of a shooting. We said, a great place to park. Been going there ever since. And when they're enjoying our fellowship, you know what? We've never seen the the white Antifa, supposedly BLM supporters there. We actually see the black community And they've never said anything to us about our stances. When the police come by, we say, we're praying for you. As a matter of fact, one time I did that, there was a white guy out there getting people to register to vote. He was the only one offended. This white guy coming there to get them all to vote Democrat is offended that I'm teaching the African-American community to pray for the police. What another Oompa Loompa? What is wrong with you? Who do you think they call when things go wrong? Do you think they call you? They don't call you. They call the police. We're praying for the police to be righteous and for the community to get along and for there to be peace out here. But it's not, like I'm saying, it's not just we pray this, we go do this. And then people say, well, what about the schools? Joe, you seem to be getting on it a lot. You seem to be getting on it a lot. We start school clubs. We preach in front of the high schools. I've had teachers yell at me And I've said the same thing that I've done with those other students on the college campus. I said, then bring me into your class. Fair time, fair debate. Disprove me there. Don't yell out some epitaph as you're walking away. You blah, 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 crazy dude. Excuse me. Excuse me, Mr. Coward. I'm still here. I came out here to engage people like you. You are showing your children the height of immaturity. Come to the mic, and we always bring a mic out so they can have their turn. Come and disprove what we're saying. If you think we came from the goo through the zoo to to you, here it is. Show us how my nearest relative is Lucy, the monkey. I'm wanting to hear that from you right now. Show me how we get a mind out of matter. I would love for you to explain the consciousness problem for us all right now. Explain to us the Big Bang. Something exploded, right? Explain to me what that something was and who banged it. What was done that day? Because I've never seen something come out of nothing. Are you guys listening? I believe in the Big Bang. I just know who banged it. God said it and it was done try to take God out of the world and you've taken out your footing. It's like sitting on a branch sowing it off. It is a world of contradictions without the God of the Bible. We'll help expose it. Amen? So if you're saying, are we just praying? No, we're not just praying, but we have to pray. Because prayer does what our little sass doesn't. And that's why as much as I love people in the political realm that side with my views of politics, they're not my answer. Do you understand that? They're a part of bringing wisdom to people. I get it. But it's not the answer. Just like two uh, sports fans fighting over who's better, the Cubs or the White Sox. That's what I think about when I think of the world yelling back and forth. Christianity solves the problem, and I don't need Fox News' help. They need my help. Are you listening? Well, we'll get you on Fox News. Fox News needs to get saved and sit right here. The news network, I understand that there should be good ones. Don't get me wrong. But my point isn't, let's hoist up the gospel on something other than the gospel. The gospel doesn't need Kanye West, though I'm glad the guy at least is talking saved, at least some of the time when he's coherent. But we don't need Kanye West. Kanye West needs Jesus. Are you listening to me? I don't need the alderman to give me permission to do this. The alderman needs to come here. I give him permission to repent. So whatever unity we're building with others, I get it. It has a purpose, but it's the gospel first. Well, we should side with the Roman Catholics against this and against that wonderful, but I also want them to repent for the folly they call a pope right now. Because for the first time, the Pope's not Catholic. Well, surely as the Pope is Catholic, somebody can say back to that one-liner: "Not anymore. He's not Catholic anymore." We have have we now watched the falling away that Christ talked about. We've watched the falling away. But here's here's the answer. We pray, and we call on God, because that's what changed my heart that day, from. November 5th at 2 p.m. 1995 to November 5th at 6 p.m. It was the power of God. And so I want to see more school clubs set up. I want to see more preaching going out. We'll be going out tonight to Logan Square. And how many know Logan Square needs Jesus? Come on up, TJ. You'll pray first. Pray for every one of these hipsters in just a moment that they get Jesus. So many times we go to Logan Square and they say to us, you know, snooty back to us. But we don't need it. Go somewhere and help somebody that does need it. No, listen to me, Logan Square. You need it probably more than anybody. Because when I go to people that have less than you, less education, they are nicer than you. I've had people at Logan Square while we are preaching pull down their pants and pee in front of us. It's not an economic issue. It's not an education issue. Germany had some of the most Educated scientists at the time and they started using their science to torture Jews we have some of the most medical breakthroughs that we've ever had we can do surgery in the womb right now and yet we're ripping out babies out of of the womb this is ridiculous is it not God have mercy I'm just going to ask you to start if a few others want to come up so I don't have to call on you Uh, Go ahead right now. We're going to have three or four uh, people pray. Would you start off by praying for these young adults we call hipsters? Pray that they'll come to know Jesus.
1: God, we just pray for every young adult, Lord God. Every single one of them in the name of Jesus, God. Break their heart, God. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that they'll turn away from sin. Turn away from wickedness. Turn away from their desires, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that they will turn away from the lifestyle that they're living, Lord God, thinking that they're all that, God, thinking that they're all that with a bag of barbecue potato chips, God. We ask, Lord God, that they will turn away from sin, Lord God. Turn away from themselves, God, and turn to you, Jesus, God. We know, Lord God, that they need you, God. They need you. They don't need something else, Lord. God, they don't need the next relationship, God. We don't need anything God. They need you, Jesus. They need your presence. They need to be set free. They need to know, Lord God, that your perfect love can only set them free, Lord God. Because it says in your word, whoever the Son sets free, it's free indeed, God. So we pray for every sinner, every hipster, and Logan Swear and Belmont and Clark and Wicker Clark, Lord God. We ask, Lord God, that they will come to know you God that he'll come to know your perfect love Lord God that he'll come to know you as the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob the God that saves the God that saves. the God that saves Lord have your way Lord God use people Lord God in this church to preach and proclaim the gospel God in these communities in
0: Jesus name amen come on how many believe that say amen amen just so people don't think we're totally irresponsible. Will you come and pray for abortion to end, please? That mothers will seek out help if they need it and the church will be there to give it.
2: Hallelujah, Lord. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, Lord, and we pray that this lie of abortion, the spirit of murder and death, dear God, Father, will continue to be exposed, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Father God, we come against this murderous spirit, dear God, that people have been told is a choice. Lord God, we pray that mothers' eyes would open, that their hearts would be softened, Lord God, and as we preach the gospel, that they would understand that there is hope in you, that they are not hopeless, dear God, and defenseless if they have a child. But Lord, I pray that they will be able to see. The beauty, Lord, of what it is to carry a child full term and bring into this world. Father, I pray that you would raise up the body of Christ, Lord God, to preach against this truth. Father, we pray against fear. We pray against being self conscious when presenting this truth, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I pray that we would have arms to take in babies, Lord, that need homes. Father, prepare us financially. Equip us, dear God, to be able to take in children and call them our own, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray against this demonic spirit over our land this idolatry dear god this idol this demon dear god and father we call it out in the name of jesus we command and we declare abortion would end in our time father that it would not be legal anymore but it would be illegal lord to have an abortion here in america and all over this world in jesus name
0: amen Amen. let's have a few more prayers before we leave just so you can know as a church we will pay for housing We will adopt. We will give groceries. We will cover all those bases in Jesus' name because of your generosity. We've already had a situation where a woman was going to get an abortion. We then put her up in a hotel. Someone did that on behalf of what she heard through this need that was given. The woman decided to keep the child, praise God. Then at the time of birth, she was considering adopting it. That same family was ready to adopt, but then the the parent kept the child. Do not let people tell you that the church just talks about it and does nothing. We have social workers here. We have generosity here. We have every resource, every resource here in Jesus' name. Would you please pray for the teenagers and high school students that there would be a powerful outbreak of revival in those schools and that they would know that God loves them, has a plan for their life. Amen. Thank you.
3: Lord, you are so good, and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, we call, we call to you to just show these young people, these teenagers who are being so misinformed, that they know their identity aligns with you, Christ. That they cast off all these false doctrines that are speaking into their lives, and shame on the adults. Shame on the teachers who are teaching wickedness. We call for godly teachers to rise up and speak the truth. Because teaching is not just a job, it's a calling. And we pray that those who are in front of these young people speak the truth and are not afraid to lose a dollar. Because your treasures will be stored up in heaven. And if that job may go, teachers, it is okay because God will bless you for doing what is good. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, let these teenagers not be wise in their own minds. Let them open up their hearts and let heaven rain down. Let let what they speak be your words. Let the majority not be pushing into them and showing them just because everybody says it's good, it's good. Just because you want to be a boy, you can be a boy. But you can be what God called you to be. That is what we are saying today. We rebuke the devil. We rebuke the lies in the school system that's trying to create and pervert what God has created. Let us not worship the creation, but worship the creator. And we pray this in Jesus' name, that we are ready to stand up and fight. We we are dragging these children out. We will pull them away. Parents, stand up. Just because you baby your child doesn't mean Jesus is going to baby them on judgment day. Snatch them from the fire today and tell them they are wrong. And speak truth into their hearts. And do not let the world dictate their path. Let them walk on the narrow path with Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you on our darkest and on our brightest days because we have your joy. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, sister. Our last prayer, can you make it for injustice? Because we see that oftentimes injustice is the excuse that either the immigration community or the uh, inner city uses as an excuse to break the law. So would you pray in the prayer for there to be peace on our streets and all of these things, justice to be there as well, so that this will not be an excuse that they use to, to act badly, to break the law. Does that make sense? Amen. Let us pray for them. Hallelujah. Amen.
4: Father God, you are a righteous God, Lord. You, Lord. you are the one, Father God. You are the, the, the righteous over the land, Father God, yes. over the world, Father God. And as you are righteous, Father God, you want that we see, Father, Father God, everything, Father God, through your eyes, O oh Lord. And I pray, Father God, that you, Father God, let us see, Father God. Let us see through your eyes, Father God, the righteous, Father God, the justice, Father God, that you want, Father God, our governments, Father God, the people that are in charge of the cities, Father God, of the countries, Father God, that are with righteousness, Father God. I pray, Father God, that the people, Father God, that is on those... Position, Father God, as with righteousness, Father God. I pray, Father God, that you bring, Father God, fear, Father God, in their heart, Father God. Bring your fear, Father God, they bring of you, Father God, into their hearts, Father God, that they cannot with righteousness, Father God. I pray, Father God, that the people, Father God, the one that are moving the masses, Father God, around this country, Father God, I pray, Father God that they, Father God, act according to the love, Father God. Not because, Father God, uh, breaking the love, Father God, of this country, Father God, but everyone, Father God, can believe, can believe, Father God, for the righteousness, Father God, and for the love, Father God, of your love and this country love, Father God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen.
2: Thank you, Lord.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Can we all stand up? Give it up for Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He is the answer. Altar workers and band, would you come? We'll close out today. If you need prayer of any kind, would you join them up here? And let us commit to living a lifestyle of praying and preaching. After we pray now, what should we do? Go preach. And then after we preach, what should we do? Pray. And then after we pray, what should we do? And then what? And then what? And then what? And then what? what? So we preach, pray, and plug away. We preach, pray, and plug away. We don't stop. We keep this thing going. We don't stop until our job is done. Let's get Dez to
1: close us out in that.